0: but has gone forward with Stewart to the right Lineker and Howes to the left Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know
1: Oh, I say!
0: Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff Oh, I bet even he can't believe it Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. I'm Chris Carl.
1: And I'm Jeff Saunders.
0: OK Jeff, let's get going. Your trivia question for today.
1: In January 1986, Mark Haitley and Ray Wilkins played together for England. Why was that a first? And as a subsequent question to that, if you get it, what's the latest the time and which two players were involved when that happened the last time?
0: All right, very exciting stuff. We'll get to that at the end of the show first of all another exciting week of football and uh, let's start with the games at the weekend brighton 1 liverpool 1 Brighton probably deserved the point I think really
1: I I think so there's an argument that they maybe deserved more than that but but there were the disallowed goals and the usual VAR controversy and I I think Klopp has has a point but he's not helping himself at the moment complaining so much about the number of games his team's been playing he's been making the same complaint for the last five years there there comes a point where we're a bit tired of hearing about it and why, why are the authorities at his club the owners not doing something about it
0: yeah because the point being that he had a, a, a European game on the Wednesday and then was the first game on Saturday morning at half past 12 UK time. Frank Lampard, the Chelsea manager, had complained for the same reason the previous week. I mean, they won their 12.30 kickoff, but I don't think that's the point. Both managers saying, it's you know, you can't rotate players like that. And Klopp also adding that he hasn't got any players to rotate. He's got so many injuries. We all think, well, you know, what difference does it make 12.30 or 3 o'clock? But if you're away from home, you've got to get up a bit. You know, it's all this preparing for the game beforehand. The players need to have a, a relaxed breakfast, a lie-in, all that kind of thing. And those few hours or one day would make a big difference. Do you think he's right?
1: Oh, I think he's 100% right in in what he's saying. I, I mean, it was a stupid decision and it was, I, th- I believe it was a BT game. And they chose to put Liverpool on then. It was their complete choice, as as Klopp said. But the owners of Liverpool have got to take a stand here. It's, it's no good the manager talking about it afterwards the owner has got to to speak up and they've got to try and get some sense with the the broadcasting companies. Because, of course, the broadcasting companies don't want the, inverted commas, boring match, 12.30, because nobody's going to watch it. Which is
0: why, I mean, the other people who had, I thought... Some room to complain, but Crystal Palace, who played on Monday and then with the first game on the Friday, Friday night, you would think if you played Monday, your your fixture would be on the Saturday at the earliest.
1: Yeah, there is no sensible argument against doing uh, what they do in American football, where the, the matches are done in a rotation that everybody knows about from the very start, from the start of the season, so you don't, if you play the Monday match... Then you don't play the Thursday match. You play on a Sunday. And we should be doing exactly the same. If you played on a Monday match, then you play on a Sunday. Then the following week, play on a Saturday. And, you know, just do it in rotation. It's a simple thing to do. But the TV companies don't want to do it because that means they'll get the unfashionable matches when they don't want them.
0: Yes, and that's why you had Chelsea at half past 12 and then Liverpool at half past 12 because two big teams who do look like they're going to be battling it out for first place.
1: Was that one all draw indicative of what Klopp was
0: saying, or do you just think Brighton were quite good?
1: Well, I think Brighton were quite good, and they've been they've been good all season. They've just struggled to score the goals. And you know, we've we've been saying on on here that as soon as they start, you know, if they start scoring goals, they're going to be fine. And they showed that against Liverpool. I mean, the injury problems that Liverpool have are quite extreme. He can't put out anything remotely resembling his first team at the moment. You know, I mean, it's a serious problem.
0: Brighton getting a deserved draw against Liverpool. Are Liverpool the same team they were last season? Or are we seeing these results because of these injuries, and does that let in other teams into the top four to compete with them?
1: I think they're they're the same team. Um, no two seasons are ever exactly the same, but those injuries are making a huge difference to it. You can't you can't ignore that. I still think they'll win the league, but it's going to be harder. I don't think we'll see 95 points. Maybe 85 points will win the league this season.
0: Alright, we should it's still all to play for, as they say. One of those contenders is Manchester City, who absolutely thumped Burnley five nil. What was interesting, first of all, they found their not only winning ways, but scoring ways again, and looked very good doing it. But Pep Guardiola, the Man City manager, said afterwards the fun has gone out of football with the Covid and all this stuff that's going on. He said it's just not any fun anymore doing it this way he said you turn up you play the football you pack up and you go home he said there's no fans to celebrate with there's no atmosphere there's no feeling of doing this for a reason quite a sort of sad thing for him to say but i kind of get it yeah
1: i think he's he's 100% right and add into that the uh, the lottery of var where where players do something you know the brilliant through ball to a player pointing and then fantastic goal and it hauled back because his finger was ahead of the i mean you know, VAR is, is is killing the game as well.
0: Yeah, I think he probably was talking about, uh, as a whole, the game is no fun anymore. Not just for fan lockout, but VAR. We're going to talk about that because that's featured quite heavily in some of these games. Everton got beaten at home by Leeds. This is Everton who had a flying f- what it, first five games and now lost four. Something like that and beaten by Leeds who leak goals they're an exciting team to watch but they leak goals. Is that the end have we seen the end of Everton's challenge to a top seven finish
1: now? Well I don't know. Uh, early on uh, we, we did say that Everton would would finish in the you know winning the Everton Cup and finish seventh. Um, they had some quite easy matches early on. Leeds had 23 shots, 23 and Everton's defense is is very poor without Luca Dean and Coleman who couldn't play at the weekend. They haven't kept a clean sheet since opening day and compare them to Leeds where Leeds players are still the mid-level championship players that they were last season and the season before to get promoted their spend was the 7th highest in the championship they didn't even spend the most to get there this is about this is about coaching by Bielsa and also their their technical director Auto who finds the players for them who's who's done a fantastic job Everton their, their problem the last five weeks has been the defence and it will carry on being the defence. I, I, I still say they'll probably finish seventh. As you say, I think I
0: agree Leeds probably haven't got an outstanding squad. Bamford, I mean, had a few shots, of course, but he's not the player that uh, is the answer to whatever the question is. But I think what it is, is that Bielsa is one of the best managers in that league. I think he's up there with the best.
1: He also is and, and has been for 15 years one of the very best managers in the world, not just in the league. And and he's shown it. He's done pretty much what, what Brian Clough did back in back in the 70s. He's taken these players that nobody else rates and turned them into a winning football team. And not just a winning football team, but a team that's playing really attractive attacking football.
0: All credit to him, because for any team to win away at Everton, uh, any, any season is a good result to come away with. Everton aren't easy to beat and they had that flying start. I think to come away with a 1-0 win and having leaked goals all season to, to get a clean sheet is a great result for Leeds.
1: I will crow a little now. I remember the look on the faces of all the other people in the uh, Saturday sports show we do for, for Global Radio when I was the only one that said that Leeds would win and and I, I also put 1-0 on it. So yeah. so there you are. Yes, you
0: did. Yeah, and everybody looked at you really because I think everybody saw that as being 2 2 or 3 2 or 2 3, uh, and you were absolutely spot on with that one. Uh, West Brom against Sheffield United. Sheffield United have one point out of ten games. If you're going to get beaten, you want to be beaten by Liverpool or Tottenham, not by West Brom, your fellow struggler. I mean, West Brom won at the weekend, Fulham won at the weekend, Brighton got a credible draw against Liverpool. Things are looking glum for Sheffield United.
1: If by glum you mean we're doomed, Mr. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mannering, yes, you're you're quite right. I can't see any, any team recovering from that. No, certainly no team in history has recovered from a position anywhere near as bad as as the one Sheffield United are in. I mean, injuries are a problem with them, and if you're one of the teams like like them that doesn't have the strength in depth, yes, you you can put a good first eleven on the pitch that will compete, and with a clever manager, which Wilder certainly is, and cause problems. But when you start getting injuries, you, and you're putting your second choice players on, it's it's a different ball game, and I can't see Sheffield. United United surviving the shock to me was Fulham actually winning a game well no actually I take that back the, the, the shock was they actually scored a penalty and then won the game
0: actually you mentioned there uh, Chris Wilder very good manager, Sheffield United manager. Jurgen Klopp kind of blamed him for the 12.30 kick-off and all the other things going on. He was being interviewed after that one-all draw with Brighton. And he said, I don't know how often I have to say, it. you picked the 12.30 kick-off. And then, yes, and he was talking about how not only is it difficult playing a European game and all that and then having to play on a, a lunchtime kick-off, um, he said "You know that he thinks Chris Wilder was being very selfish because he was one of the people that voted against the five substitutes thing. So, well, Chris Wilder's having a bit of a rough time at the moment what well, we're getting blamed by Klopp and losing constantly 1
1: point out of 10 Klopp should pick his targets a little bit better and and pick the fights he's going to have much better. What 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 did he think Chris Wilder should do? Chris Wilder's employed by Sheffield United and he made a decision that in his opinion would help his football team. Did Klopp really think he should make any other decision? It's a it's a bizarre thing to say. Klopp should pick his fights a little bit more carefully and not have a go at a manager who's quite simply doing his job.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right. And it's it's a little bit out of character for Klopp to be so fractious, edgy, um, nor. Normally, he's you know even when his team lose in his post match interview, he kind of smiles his way through it and is very charming, very European in his sort of nice, decent attitude. But he does sound like it's getting to him a little bit lately. We've heard it's not the first time he's complained and sort of be- been just that little bit angry. And I, uh, maybe the, the pressure's getting to him.
1: Uh, I, I'm not sure it's it, it's pressure. I, I think he he was just very angry from the start that he was having to play the game at all, and and then to have two go two goals disallowed, and then very very late on Brighton come back to get the equalizer he was just angry and it's sort of venting if you like i think you know given given 30 minutes to have a think about it we'd have had a different interview
0: this is the thing that we (laughs) we have all the time with these and i think it was david on our on our radio show mentioned it that you've got these people who've just played 90 minutes of football and the manager who's been running up down the touchline and not getting the result they wanted uh you know on their way back to the dressing room afterwards with all the emotions running high, have a microphone stuck under their nose and are
1: expected to say something
0: without maybe making a fool of themselves or doing something or saying something that maybe they'd regret half an hour later
1: it is very difficult and um, it's probably more difficult for the players because they've got the adrenaline racing racing around them still you know, prompting them to give the question the the thought that it deserved because most of the questions are pretty stupid so you yeah. scored that goal what, what did you feel oh well i felt terrible obviously yeah. i mean you know they they're moronic questions and they don't they don't add anything to the experience i don't know, understand why tv companies do it well i do understand it's it's all clickbait isn't it they want the player to make a mistake they want the manager to say something stupid and and we go around the m- merry go round of press commenting on tv tv commenting on press who comments on tv who comments on press and they drag yeah. it out for 3 or 4 days which is exactly what we're doing now. Come to think of it.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't, don't give the game away. Yeah. I mean, you talk about before we move on to the next game. You talk talking there about players being asked to. You know, what? How did you feel when you scored that goal during the week in uh, European competition? Harry Winks, of all people, scored an absolute what they call worldy from fifty-five yards out. It curled round uh, the well, round the players, uh, round the goalkeeper, and un- over the top of the goalkeeper and hit the bar and went in. And it was a sensational goal, but. You could tell by his face that something wasn't quite right. And when he was asked after the game, "Did you mean that? Did you mean to hit it like that?" and he said, "I wish I could say I did, but actually, I was trying to pass it to Gareth Bale, and it went in the went in the goal." And Mourinho said, "If it had been me, I would have kept, I would have kept kept my mouth shut and said of course, I meant it.'" And then won the Puskas Award for best goal of the year. But I mean, Mourinho I hope was being tongue in cheek. I hope he wasn't angry with Harry Winks for admitting it. But good on him for admitting it, I suppose.
1: A- absolutely. I mean, I think the best example of the you know talk me through the goal thing was was yeah. Ch- Charlie George for the one was against I, th- I think it was either Leeds or Liverpool in the cup final can't remember which one uh, and he said well talk us through the goal Charlie and he said uh, well uh, it come to me and I hit it and it went in <laughs> and, uh, w- once you've had that I don't think any player could talk, talk through the goal at all yeah Harry Winks Should should have taken his lesson from Ronaldinho. If you remember that that huge effort from Ronaldinho, half the planet thinks it was a cross, and half think. And he's just he's never commented on it. He just smiles.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, good good for Harry Winks, I suppose. But I mean, I think I would might have been tempted to go. I've been practising that in training all week. Uh, Right, let's move on. Uh, Sunday was an exciting afternoon of football Uh, for me, being a Tottenham fan. Of course, it was uh, almost perfect day, really. Uh, But it all started off with Southampton going uh, very, very quickly into a 2-0 lead at home to Man United. I was sat with David, our co-commentator on the Saturday Sports Show. Um, (laughs) His face, of course, was a picture of, you know, here we go again and Man United were pretty dreadful in the opening stages.
1: Yeah they they, they certainly were. You, you have to give credit to Southampton. They 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 had a plan they executed it extremely well um, were getting the reward they deserved and then it all went a little bit wrong in the second half.
0: Yes and again I suppose credit to Man United coming back when it got to 2-1 you kind of felt well they're not good enough here to win it but they might just snatch a draw but then up pops super sub Cavani and scores two absolutely world class I think headers. Yeah
1: which, which should be a surprise to anyone Cavani's been a world class striker for, for a number of years and I do remember on, on the Saturday sports show being laughed at when I said a couple of seasons ago that Cavani was a world class striker and people who don't watch foreign football tended to think that anyone who did knew he was a world class striker and you know his legs might be going and you know he's in, in his 30s but, but his brain is still there and so w- the, one of the goals he got he made the run there was a Manchester United player beside him who didn't make the run but he saw where the only opportunity for a goal scoring scoring attempt could be made from so he went there and got in inverted commas lucky that the ball came to him that's what strikers do yes I
0: remember many years ago the I suppose I can say England legend Gary Lineker now TV presenter being I don't suppose confronted with the the statistic that he scored very few goals outside the box and was known as a goal hanger because you know he didn't track back like maybe some players do these days and he was you know in the box waiting for a deflection or a, a pass gone wrong to come to him so he could tap it in or and bundle it in by falling over and you know knocking it in with his back of his head or something and he said but that's what I do that's my job is to score goals if if I'm not in the box then how am I going to score them you know and he, he said yeah my goal hanger that's what that's what a striker does you've just got to be and your point about Cavani I've got to find myself in the right position either to strike it sweetly or for it to bounce off me and go in, and that is the end of that. But Cavani, 33 years old, yeah, I think his legs are probably gone, but my point being, he doesn't really have to do a lot of running, he has to do what he is doing, and Lineker did, to be in the right place.
1: And th- th- this thing about um, you know Lineker being a goal hanger, it's as if it's some sort of excuse, as if what he's doing is easy. Now, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, but they're not, and its it isn't easy at all players like 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 him and and Cavani their brains are wired in a different way they don't see the same picture that a midfielder sees when he receives the ball or a defender sees when he sees the ball they they are thinking and this isn't conscious if there's going to be a goal scoring opportunity where is it going to come from i need to be there and they do it naturally and it, it's a fantastic skill and you know lineker get muller jimmy greaves the highest goal scorers do this
0: yeah and it's all about being in the right place I do remember a piece of commentary it's a bit like the commentary we have at the beginning of the show but I remember a piece of commentary Gascoigne and Lineker on the edge of the box and Gascoigne has the ball and Lineker makes a darting run towards the keeper and Gascoigne faints to pass it to him and then goes the other way around the player and scores and the commentator says Gascoigne to Lineker oh no he's used him by not using him and Lineker's job there was to put off the defenders
1: by being in the box yeah and that's it's it's a much more conscious decision by Lineker I've got to take that defender away and and, lots of players do that but the ability to be in the place to get the tap in, you can't teach that you've got it or you haven't got it and Cavani definitely has it.
0: Definitely, because, I mean, he scored those two goals, but he also did what Lineker does, did, and that was distract the defenders. Lineker, in that move that I'm talking about, where Gascoigne used him by not using him, Lineker didn't touch the ball, but the team ended up with a goal because Lineker was in the box doing something. So, Cavani was superb, the two headers were great,
1: and were Man United lucky? Or did they deserve to come away with the three points? I don't think they deserve three points. So I suppose, in a sense, they're a little bit lucky that they got them. But you 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 take your chances, and and then you win the game. And they took their chances, and there were some that Southampton left on the pitch. So you've got to very reluctantly say they probably know des- yeah, Manchester United probably deserved it. I don't think it answered any questions at all regarding um Solskjaer as a manager. They still haven't sorted Van der Beek out. I mean, Van der Beek looked very very good but they're still restricting how he plays, shouting and screaming at him to get back and don't go there and don't go here. These players out of Ajax, they're natural footballers. You've got to let them do what they do. Otherwise, don't buy them.
0: Yeah, he does seem to be almost singled out for special treatment, but in all the wrong ways. It's, it's almost like he's been blamed for everything. Like It's like we say about Southgate not wanting to play Grealish and deliberately playing out of position or just not playing him when it's quite obvious they need It's like you've got this talented, gifted young player don't want him in the team and I think van der Beek is being misused when he is being used at all well yeah when he and Fernandes are playing together in midfield they're much better and they're a better team because Pogba's not there I know he's injured but he's still not there
1: yeah that that Manchester United squad has three world class players in it van der Beek Cavani and Fernandes and They should be played all the time. They're the only three world-class players in that squad, which cost a billion pounds, by the way.
0: Now, once again, I want to move on because we've still got a lot to talk, to talk about, but before we move on from Man United, once again, Roy Keane, ex-Man United player, and, of course kind of like, I suppose, the, the punditry equivalent of a shock jock. Likes to likes to give it and dish it out, but he was absolutely fuming with De Gea for both goals. But actually, the second one, Southampton goal, he was actually behind the goal, saving it, when the ball had already crossed the line, and he did look out of sorts. He was replaced by Henderson as well, wasn't he? Um, but not for tactical reasons.
1: Yeah, I mean, Henderson is a better goalkeeper than De Gea and has been for the last two seasons, and if, if you want to argue with me, then I'll just point you in the direction of all the stats, (laughs) which which prove it De Gea has been one of the worst goalkeepers in the league in the last couple of years and also for Spain as well particularly in the last World Cup where he was absolutely dreadful I suppose Manchester United have got to play him because they want to get money for him when they sell him
0: seems an awfully risky thing to do but there we are Man United I suppose maybe it's a sign of a good team if you're 2-0 down you don't despair and you carry on you end up winning 3-2 the next game Um, And I know the expression you're going to use, but it was Chelsea nil, Tottenham nil. Uh, 1,000 games of owning the club for Abramovich didn't come away with a win against his old manager. I said at the beginning, I think, you know, uh, of the game, I would definitely take a draw all day long. Away at Chelsea, who I think have probably got the best squad in the league, certainly one of the best two or three squads in the league. I was very, very delighted with the draw and I expected it to be very
1: cagey. A Mourinho team came and parked the bus in a shock horror. Who, who would have thought that could possibly happen? If Chelsea's forwards had taken their chances then they'd have won um, and you know, it would have been on paper a comfortable win but they didn't. So, you know, it it turned out to be a draw. I think the the big performance for me in the match was Kante, who who snuffed out Harry Kane. Kane has caused all sorts of trouble by by dropping off his striker position into a number 10 position into into space and typically playing in Son and and Kante snuffed him out completely. It was a wonderful performance by Kante. So, that that stopped Spurs supply of, of goal scoring attempts and they only had one on target, I think, in the in the whole of the match. But it, what a wonderful performance and if you get the chance to see the game again just go and watch Kante every team he plays for is a different team when he plays as a holding midfielder and his, his tackling his distribution his his effort is absolutely wonderful
0: Yes, I mean the, the big thing that Chelsea did apart from you know being a very fast attacking team but the big thing they did was basically they snuffed out as you say Kane and Son who had you know not a great afternoon by their standards and once you've snuffed that out The counter-attack, which was, I think, probably our tactic, was not going to happen. So a draw was probably the right thing in the end. Uh, As a Tottenham fan, I'm happy with that, to come by the draw. But what made me nearly as happy... Was a little later on the two lowest scoring teams in the league, Wolves and Arsenal. Arsenal were at home and lost two-one to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Two Wanderers there, (laughs) the Woolwich Wanderers and the Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, But Wolves getting all the three points at the Emirates. It's now officially whatever you say. People are saying you know, Arteta has changed them for the better. But Arsenal now, after ten games, have officially had their worst start to a league season since 1981. 1981. This is the worst start to a season they've had. They're 14th in the league
1: yeah when when the groundsman took over uh, all his all his um acolytes and sycophants in the press were were building him up to be the the next greatest thing despite there being absolutely no evidence to support it whatsoever we've now had a year and now now he's get, his excuses are, are changing to oh it, it's a work in progress but work in progress doesn't last a year you know it's uh, when are we going to see the results of this work in progress then because the only thing that i have seen is a, a increase in sort of intangibles, the things you can't really measure. They they look to be, to be a bit more motivated. They look to be a little bit better defensively. Well, yes, yeah, so what? They've spent an awful lot of money under him since he went there. A lot of money. The problem, of course, is that that money has gone on players who are 32 years old or older, so they're not going to be there when the work-in-progress finishes. <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to be 34 and 35. How many years does this work-in-progress last? Because for for Manchester United it's been seven so far and they're still not there the managers that Manchester United hired after Lord Fergie left are significantly better than the groundsman so no I think I think they have a huge problem there are some people in the press in the last few days saying oh well what he's got to do is just put all the youngsters in put Bakaya Sacco and, uh, and Reese Nelson and Joe Willock well if that's the answer if the answer is throw the youngsters on the pitch and they sink or swim then you really are saying that Arteta is well he's an empty suit let's be honest There, was there no progress there until they scored uh, in that last match 506 minutes before they'd between the two times that they'd scored from open play in the league it's shocking
0: yeah I mean before that game Ian Wright ex-Arsenal uh, player of course Ian Wright was saying that he was very worried that Uh, Saka was being played all this time at the age of 19 playing every single game and that they're relying on him and he said if you're relying on a 19 year old with so little experience to pull you through every game there's something seriously wrong with your team and we've got or had Ozil who plays in that sort of position without a squad number there is something badly wrong at Arsenal now Tottenham are top of the league and that's not going to stay like that I understand and Arsenal are 14th so I'm very very happy both Mourinho and Arteta both been at the club for a year more, I mean, you know, more or less they've got the jobs at the same time I know you're not a fan of Mourinho but he has made a difference at Tottenham and Arsenal haven't and I don't think Arsenal at Tottenham have got the better squad in the sense that they've spent so much more I just think Mourinho's made, done a lot better
1: well Mourinho took, took the job with a, a body of work and, and achievement behind him I mean I, I don't like how his team's set about achieving it I don't like this park the bus and play on the break but that's what he does and the, the man who hired him knew that's what he did. You know, Mourinho has done what Mourinho does. The problem with the groundsman at, at the Wanderers is they in, they invested in this, this person who had no track record at all. So what sort of manager is he going to be? If you're the the owner or the representatives of the owners of, of the Wanderers, surely there should be some plan, shouldn't there? there? There should be a desire to be playing in the Champions League. Following on from the desire, there should be a plan to enable that to happen. Not pick the the guy who puts the cones out at Manchester City and hope. Just, that's that's it. Hope. And let his mates in the press build him up. When, when there, is, there is nothing behind it at all. And we're seeing that. A year on, his, his performance in the Premier League in that year... Is worse than Unai Emery in his first year. He's worse.
0: Yeah, a lot worse and, as I said, you know, it's 1981 was the last time they had a bad start like this. It is their worst start in nearly 40 years. Absolutely shocking. But, like him a lot, if, when Mourinho was probably interviewed by Levy for the job, he could turn to a body of work and say, there is my CV. And then when he's being a manager and doing the job and something bad, you know, goes wrong or the players are unmotivated or they keep letting in goals on the right-hand side, he can think to himself, what did I do years ago when I had this similar problem oh this this and this Arteta hasn't got anything to look back on he can't in the interview say well in my experience because he doesn't have it so when you are struggling you can't say what did I do last season or ten years ago or what did I learn five years ago to to get me out of this situation there's no Backstory. There's no catalogue of tactics to go
1: through. No, it was it was a terrible, terrible appointment, which quite a lot of people said at the time. And every match confirms that. You know, just just take take the Wanderers against. I think it was the the Leeds match, was it? Uh, against Leeds, they had two shots on target in a game of 34 shots against a team promoted from the, from the Championship. And their total of nine nine shots in that match was a third of the Leeds tally. Now, if you put all of the Arsenal players down on the list and beside them put all the Leeds players who are mid-level championship quality players, Arsenal's players are much, much better. What's the difference between the two sides? The difference between the two sides is the manager. One knows pretty much everything. If there's anything in football worth knowing that Bielsa doesn't know, then, well, I don't know what it is. He knows everything. And he has disciples. Arteta, supposedly one of them. Yet he can't can't organise a football team.
0: Yeah, don't be fooled. Uh, Managers do have a bigger influence. Abba Mayang in that game against Wolves had eight touches in the entire first half. Three of them from kicking off. One at the start of the game and two from the goals that Wolves scored. Before we move on to your team... West Ham, who won, of course, yesterday. Let's just have a little chat about what happened to Jimenez. Uh, an accidental clash of heads with David Luiz, I don't think anybody was to blame. Jimenez was rushed to hospital, he's had an operation and is now staying in hospital under observation. They say the, the operation was a success, etc. But that's quite serious.
1: Well, it's extremely serious. Head, head injuries are, are, are life-threatening either immediately quite soon afterwards or in in subsequent years and and i find i find the response of the premier league and and also a lot of people in the press to be quite extraordinary you know the the premier league talking officially about holding a trial a trial what what hell do we need a trial for you know just the chairman of the premier league has to pick up the telephone phone mike riley head of the referees and say right from now on they can substitute a player who's had a head injury who has to go off and ha- go through a, a head injury protocol. Now, how long did that take? 10 seconds? Yeah. What, what the hell do you need a trial for? Rugby's been doing this for 10 years. American football's been doing it for 5 years. Ice hockey's been doing it for 10 years. There, there are ways of doing this that are already tried and we've already seen the results. Now, in In rugby, at the start of the season, before they play a game, every player goes through Concussion protocol. They ask all the questions, do all the tests, they record them, and those go with the player, with the you know with the with the squad to every match. If a player gets a head injury, he must go off immediately. There's no choice. It's the referee says, "Well, you're off," and they replace him immediately with a, a head injury replacement. He then goes through the protocol, all the tests, which take about 10 minutes. And if the doctor, who's independent of both clubs, if the doctor says no, you can't play on, he doesn't play on. Now, why can why can the Premier League not introduce that? They c- they could do it for the next match, and from now uh, from there onwards. And if IFAB or UEFA or FIFA say, "Oh no, it's got to be," you know, in in concert with with everyone else, then just tell them to f off. You know, the, the health of the players is much more important, and and this change can be made for the next match easily. There is no reason why it can't be done.
0: Yeah, all the managers are are for it. Nobody, none of the actual professionals who have to play the game and have to try and win games are against this because it's a matter of life and death health and and, um, and so on It's a, seri- a concussion is a serious thing and people like Klopp are, are quite in favour of it it could, it could as you say they could bring it in for Saturday uh, I'm not sure how it would work like in rugby you bring on a, a concussion sub who then gets subbed back off again if the, the player went off is alright Does he, so it's just like a, a temporary replacement for 10 minutes to run around while you're off the pitch having a test I think it would change the game a little bit and I think maybe that's why people are a little bit wary of it but I'd be more wary of, of having brain damage.
1: Well yeah, we, we saw the absolutely disgraceful situation of David Louise playing on. He's quite clearly had a very bad head injury, you could tell from the blood if nothing else and and because he answered the questions correctly, he was allowed to play on. It's absolutely disgraceful and that doctor should be struck off, he should be fired and struck off for allowing David Louise to get back on the pitch. This isn't about about sport but uh, Liam Neeson, the actor, his wife died from a concussion from a head injury that they were skiing she hit a tree which people do when they're skiing she was dazed and she got up and said she was okay went down to the bottom 25 minutes later she died in in horse racing they have a protocol if if the jockey falls he goes through the the concussion protocol asks the questions this takes about 10 minutes but they then wait another 25 minutes and do another test to see if the responses are the same so in rugby you're comparing the responses after the head injury to the responses at the start of the season seeing if there's a difference if there is a difference he doesn't play horse racing they do it but they add the the second test in 25 minutes and had they done that with david louise they would have known that he couldn't carry on because it was only at half time that he started to feel really bad again you, you don't play around with head injuries yeah it's just it's an absolute nonsense but the, the brain is like a muscle it bruises and unlike most other muscles it is surrounded by bone there is nowhere for it to go as it swells up and that's the problem it bruises it swells up and the only place for it to go is downwards where it can crush the brainstem. You don't mess about with head injuries.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think everybody agrees with that. All uh, right, then let's move on then because that is a very serious subject and I think they need they need to change the law and uh, allow those tests to go ahead because, yeah, of course it takes a while for the damage to be noticeable, I suppose. Uh, yesterday, because we were recording this on a Tuesday, yesterday, two very interesting results. Leicester... Again, you know, like last season up there in the top four. Losing at home to Fulham, who've now won two games, I think. They got a penalty. Which they seem to do in every game, but they actually scored this one at uh, Leicester one, and that one came from a late, a late Harvey Barnes goal. They were two nil down until about four minutes to go. What what's happened with Fulham? Scott Parker must be must be scratching his head.
1: Well, I, I think he's scratching his head because uh, you know, I certainly didn't think they'd win two games all season. You know, we're we're back into classic old football here, aren't we? Now they they can see a glimmer of hope, and it's the hope that kills you.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be getting too excited, uh, Fulham or West Brom fans. I don't think both getting victory which as we said at the beginning of the show made it all all the worse for poor old Sheffield United who last season we were talking about going into Europe West Ham West Ham beat Aston Villa, who are a very exciting team to watch, and not least because they've got Jack Grealish, who scored. But West Ham beat Aston Villa. Deservedly so, Jeff, because it wasn't, it wasn't a great game for West Ham. I mean, they had a lot less shots, I think, than Villa.
1: No, it, it, it wasn't. And people who know me know I, I prefer the performance than the result. And, you know, OK, we got the result. But I, I think, speaking honestly, Villa deserved the, the victory. Certainly a draw would have been, you know, a, a reasonable result. Um, I don't think West Ham deserved to win but, but we, we got the three points and there are many many occasions where we've deserved to win and got nothing so y- you just got to take it but I'm I'm still worried about Moyes because you know he's not putting the best team on the pitch therefore they're not playing as well as they can what he's doing is not sustainable I posted that uh, West Ham will get altitude sickness being as high as fifth yeah. and and it is going to happen because until we can put Haller and Antonio on the pitch together get Lanzini just behind them we're not going to scare opponents. You know, this, this David Moyes efficiency method is is all very well, but it's not the West Ham way.
0: Yeah, even Declan Rice was interviewed afterwards and said, because Villa had a goal disallowed for offside, and the reason apparently was the upper part of his arm was offside. And Declan Rice said, you know, it's really tough for me. You know, that's a tough decision. Is it onside? Is it offside? It was the upper part of his arm. These things sometimes go against us. Today, they've it's gone in our favour, but I, he thought it was very harsh. I mean, you can be magnanimous when you've won a game, I suppose. But it was, that was very harsh on Aston Villa. And it took them four minutes to decide that it was offside, which is why you had a nerve-biting sort of five minutes added on at the end. But if it takes four minutes, then... If they can't decide, then I don't think it probably affected the play to give them an
1: advantage unfairly, did it? No, that's exactly right, and, and they're, they're, you know, if we're going to continue with this VAR thing, we, we need we need a 20-second rule. If they can't overrule the referee in 20 seconds, then it stays as as it is on the pitch, because if it takes more than that, then it's clearly not a clear and obvious error. They've, they've got to change the handball law, get it back to what it was before. You know, it's got to be hand-to-ball and intent, and change the offside law. Just say, there's got to be daylight between between the attacker and the defender. If there's no daylight, then he's onside. Leave it at that.
0: There was um, a game, of course, as well, uh, last week that we haven't mentioned yet, but Crystal Palace, uh, as we said, have played sort of two games, Monday and Friday, they were beaten at home by Newcastle, of all people.
1: Yeah, a very a very surprising result. What what surprised me even more than the result was uh, Roy Hodgson's interviews afterwards, where, uh, un- unusually for him, he's, he's singling out a, a player... Zaha and you know asking questions, pointed questions at the rest of his squad, which is a very unhodgson-like thing to do. He's he's always been very much a a team man, and I think that behind him, behind his thinking was okay. We've got to wind these guys up and get get them to perform. They've picked up six points from a possible fifty-one when Zaha doesn't play, six from fifty-one. So his comments might be justified. I'd I'd question whether he should be making the publicly or not or keep it inside the dressing room and this is his quote i would be very frustrated with this the six from six from 51 if i was one of the other outfield players to have it told to me all that all the time that the only way you ever win a game is if wilf plays but unfortunately we can't deny the fact somewhere along the line we're going to have to learn to accept that he isn't going to be able to get us out of a hole every game I don't think that helps Zaha going into the dressing room the following day for for training. The other players will be pissed off. And however true it is, and, 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 you know, the fact is six points from 51 without him, doesn't, I think, help the team. It's a very un-Hodgson-like thing to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, it puts a lot of pressure on Zaha to perform and a lot of expectation, but also he's a bit of a teacher's pet. Now, the other team members are going, oh, yeah, it's all you, isn't it, Wilf? Uh, but that, that that is quite un- unlike Hodgson. Maybe the pressure's showing, or maybe, I mean, he's an experienced manager. Maybe it's a, a tactic he's using to g the players up and, and maybe, you know, rinse them out. In public, call them out. Maybe it's, it's some sort of tactic he thinks might work. But if you've got to admit that you've only got one player that can win a game for you, they're in trouble. I think Palace. I think they could have a tough season ahead. So they were. They played on a Monday and Friday. Aston Villa played yesterday, Monday. Guess who? they Guess who's playing first game on Friday? Aston Villa. They played yesterday, Monday. They're
1: playing Friday, three days away. Aston Villa against Newcastle, as it happens. I, I, ju- I, I just don't understand that. Just draw lots and have a rotation so everybody knows. And then if it throws up a match like this where, where two teams are going to play five days apart, change it. The Premier League has handed handed the responsibility for this over to the TV companies, and that's just wrong. Even if it means you lose £10 million off the deal, you've got to be in control of your sport. And the Premier League have abdicated control to the tv companies and the tv companies answer to their shareholders they have to get the biggest possible tv audience because the advertising revenue depends on the audience audience figures if the audience figures aren't as high as the tv company said then they have to compensate the the advertisers you know it's it's Putting the cart before the horse. And the score? 2 2.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be a draw. It's, it, it, it's That's the unattractive game that you were talking about. Villa against Newcastle. Probably not a lot of people want to watch that. Bang it on a Friday. Doesn't matter if one of the teams played earlier that day. Seems to be the thinking. Uh, Saturday, Burnley against Everton. Not a game anybody wants to watch, I don't think. But surely Everton will win that.
1: Well, Everton are getting into the position where they've got to start winning, haven't they? So there's, there's more pressure on them, and Burnley definitely have to start winning. What are the problems? Problems in the teams. Burnley's problem is they can't score, and Everton's problem is they can't defend. (laughs) So, kind of got nil nil written all over it, hasn't it?
0: I'll go for nil nil. Uh, And then one that definitely won't be nil nil. Well, it'd be nil for one side. Man
1: City against Fulham. Yeah, City City have got to be looking at another 5-0, so I'll go for that.
0: Yeah, I'll say 4, but it will be 4 <laughs> 5 nil. yeah, probably. And then, here's a test for you. West Ham United against Manchester United. Having said that, it's only Manchester United. 2-1 to Manchester United. Yeah, you could probably are going to get beaten. I wonder if West Ham have got a, a little bit tougher having an empty stadium, because that London stadium is cavernous, and I think probably it's even a more lonely place than a lot of the other stadiums. Uh, but nevertheless, yeah, West Ham at home, I'm probably going to get beaten by Man United, depending on <laughs> you know which Man United turn up. Chelsea against Leeds is the late game on Saturday. That should be a ferocious game.
1: Yeah, it, that could be that could be quite something. A 3-2 Chelsea win.
0: Yep, I like Chelsea probably to win that. On Sunday, West Brom against Crystal Palace. Another game that doesn't really excite me to be honest, but I think that probably is a draw.
1: I'll go Palace to win 2-1.
0: I mean if Zaha's playing then yes but if he's
1: not then no
0: uh, Sheffield United against Leicester chance for Leicester to win again uh,
1: having been beaten unexpectedly uh, this week yeah I think they'll, they'll bounce back from that probably 2-0
0: which would be I mean just put Sheffield really lower and lower and I mean it, they might as well start in the championship now save a bit of time uh, Tottenham against Arsenal now a, a little bit earlier in the show I did find myself on the verge on the cusp of gloating about Tottenham being first in the league and Arsenal being 14th and I don't know if I mentioned it there were start for 39 years, but this is probably knowing my luck, this will probably be the game that Arsenal turn things around.
1: It might be. Tot- Tottenham don't attack, they, they counter attack. Arsenal's defence is a little bit better than it was last year. Uh, I don't know. No, I'll go for a 2-0 win for Spurs. Oh, 2-0. I,
0: I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But I, I think it's going to be closer than that. I think it's going to be closer than that. If Tottenham, if Tottenham sense blood and they feel that Arsenal aren't up to the task, I think they might they might go, win 2-3-0. or three-nil, But I think Arsenal will be a bit better than they were the other day. Liverpool against Wolves. Wolves, as we said, one of the lowest scoring teams along with Arsenal in the league. Liverpool being the a little bit off the boil
1: lately yes but they, they should still have um, more than enough for Wolves I mean, w- Wolves d- d- have throughout the season apart from the last match started very very slowly their their goals come at, at the ends of the match not at the start of the match I think Liverpool might be out of sight by then so 2-0 possibly 2-1 I'll go 2-0 to Liverpool
0: all right that's Liverpool to beat Wolves and then Brighton against Southampton which brings us all the way back to this time next week almost
1: there are more goals in Southampton than there are in Brighton it might be a very attractive game to watch actually as, as a football match uh, I'll say 3-1 to Southampton
0: that's all we've got time for, but before we say our goodbyes, your trivia question and the answer.
1: Okay, the question was that in January 1986 Mark Hateley and Ray Wilkins played together for England. Why was that a first? Well, it was the first time two teammates from a foreign club had represented England together. They both played for Milan. And a very similar thing happened three weeks ago when Jude Bellingham and Jadon Sancho, who both play for Borussia Dortmund, played for England in the same team.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's I don't think it's I was it's happened those two times uh, it's obviously something that doesn't happen a lot that was the first time but most England players are based in England maybe that's why England don't do so well
1: there is that although during the 90s it, 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 it happened a lot with all those English players who played for Glasgow Rangers yeah <laughs> Which, we should remember, is a foreign club. Yeah,
0: good point. Uh, all right, that is all we've got time for. We'll be back next week. In the
1: meantime, I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. And that was Hitting the Bar, the football podcast.